Well, our, our uh, Haftorah and um, uh, New Covenant portion are very appropriate for today because we began um, this year uh, looking at uh, the uh, UMJC Statement of Faith. The Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations is uh, an organization of which Beth Messiah is a part, a charter member. And so uh, uh, at the beginning of the year, we uh, felt that it would be good to uh, go over our statement of faith because, you know, people come and people go and people forget and you never know. Uh, some people have certain expectations and, uh, and we want to make sure that, uh, uh, at least in the basics of uh, faith, that um, people understand where we're coming from and what our congregation is about. And uh, so believe it or not, uh, we are going to finish this statement of faith this year. Uh, now you might think, oh my word, you spent a whole year on it? No, we didn't spend a whole year on it. Uh, of course, I can tell how many weeks. We've, we spent 13 weeks on it. That's how many weeks. There's 52 weeks in a year, see? And so the rest of those weeks are filled with are filled with holidays and special events and occasions and and uh, uh, guests coming and other things, uh, other things as well. Uh, and, uh, and so it's important when you think about uh, the passage from Isaiah that Sue read, uh, as well as the passage from, from Luke, because it talks about uh, the Messiah coming and being a king, really is what those passages are about. And so... Uh, in our uh, uh, statement of faith, uh, we looked at the first line of it already, um, right around Rosh Hashanah, and we're going to look at the rest of it, actually, this morning, briefly. It says here, Yeshua died as an atonement for sins of Israel and the entire world. Well, if you remember, back in September, we talked about that. I gave a whole message on that statement. Now it says, He was raised bodily from the dead, as the first fruits of the resurrection promised to Israel uh, as its glorification. He ascended to heaven and was there enthroned at God's right hand as Israel's Messiah, with authority exceeding to the end, extending, I'm sorry, to the ends of, of uh, creation. And so today we want to talk briefly about this issue of Yeshua's resurrection and ascension to the right hand of, of, uh, of the Father. Uh, because even though we talk about it, I know that the main thing that we say when we talk about what Yeshua did is he died for our sins. <clears throat> and I'm not convinced that we all even understand why he even rose from the dead. Like, we can figure out very simply, he died for our sins because he took our sins on himself, right? But why is it that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, he says, if Yeshua did not raise from the dead then we're idiots. It's basically what he says. Then our, the faith is in vain, and we are the people to be pitied most of all. It's interesting that he doesn't say if Yeshua didn't really die for our sins. He doesn't say that. He says, but if Yeshua did not raise from the dead. It's interesting that in the book of Acts, primarily uh, when Paul talks about what, he, what the gospel is, what the good news is, he says it very clearly in several places. He says it when he's at Athens, and he says it before the Sanhedrin. He says, we preach Messiah and the resurrection. 
Isn't that interesting? That he puts a tremendous amount of emphasis on the resurrection of the Messiah. And as uh, we also read in uh, Acts chapter 2, which gives us really like the program, so to speak, uh, in Peter's speech, uh, the emphasis on the resurrection as promised in the Tanakh. So I want us to take a look here in Acts chapter 2 to under, so we can really understand this uh, uh, statement in our doctrinal statement. Basically, in Acts chapter 2, from verses 22 to 36, uh, uh, Peter talks about this part of our statement. <laughs> and uh, so there's um, no uh, reason to think we're making it up, okay? All right, so, you know, the uh, context here is this is uh, Shavuot, uh, and uh, uh, people have come to Jerusalem for Shavuot and to bring uh, the late spring offering, right? Uh, and uh, uh, we know that uh, this great event occurs. We're going to talk about that actually next week. Um, the, uh, the, the significance of the, the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh, okay? which may not be what we uh, may normally think of as even the reason for the pouring out of the, the Holy Spirit. But according to the text, we'll take a look and see what it says. Uh, but what I want to focus on is what uh, this, this message, this uh, sermon, this preaching of Peter. Okay, beginning in verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel. Okay, boy, if we were taking this apart like word by word, we would have to start there and say, you got to remember the whole thing is directed to Israel. Isn't that interesting? Okay, men of Israel. Now, when he says Israel, he means the people like living there who are Jewish, you know, and, and uh, who have, uh, who ethnically uh, are, uh, are Jewish people. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Yeshua the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. I can't help it. I have to stop already. All right. When he says attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs, that tells you the purpose of the miracles, wonders, and signs of Yeshua was to testify who he is. That is the purpose to testify who he is. Okay? It's great. You know, when you stick to the Bible, you get the answers. Okay? All right. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So we see that God was not shooting from the hip when Yeshua uh, uh, died for our sins and rose from the dead. The historical uh, events the politics, the, the intrigue of late night uh, trials and everything else. Um, uh, while uh, it happened in real life and in real history by the will of those people involved, God had his hand on the whole thing. That's called providence, the providence of God. God had his hand on the whole thing. You know, it says in the book of Galatians that at the right time, Yeshua came. 
at the right time. It's interesting, the times, it was, it was a pretty corrupt time. It wasn't like everybody deserved for the Messiah to come and then he came, you know. He came at a pretty dark time, actually, in, in Jewish history, which leads me to say this. You know, when you think about revival, because, you know, that was a revival. The, you know, the, the, the mother of all revivals was the coming of the Messiah, uh, you know, in the first century. But you know that, when, you know when you pray for revival, Lord, send revival? Do you know that when you look at it in history, including in this very country, the times when revival comes are the times when you least expect it. In other words, a time when things, when, when it's, <laughs> it's needed so severely, it's not like, Lord, let us be good so revival comes. Let, let us be real spiritual so revival. No, it comes. See, God does it. He just like does it, you know? Um, and uh, uh, think of, for example, in this country, you know, a very famous revival was before the Revolutionary War right? Uh, in New England, of all places, right? Uh, and uh, it's, it actually came to the West Coast, meaning uh, Ohio, all right, uh, uh, at that time. Uh, in Oberlin, actually Oberlin is a very important place in that, uh, in that revival, uh, uh, but, also, but mostly in New England, you know, Jonathan Edwards and all that. Uh, uh, um, uh, that was a time you might think, oh, uh, everybody came here and they're walking with God. No, it wasn't really. Uh, and that was an amazing, it was an amazing event, how that took place and how people became on fire for the Lord. Uh, and, you know, in the late 1960s and 1970s, there was a revival in this country. Uh, again, a time of a real lack of spirituality, a tremendous lack of spirituality. You had lots of deadness in the organized church, and then you had lots of people that were rejecting God and, and just this hedonistic period of time, uh, morally, uh, among young people. What did God do? That's when he injected himself uh, into this world. And so in the first century, you had a very corrupt priesthood. Uh, you had uh, uh, all kinds of schisms in the Jewish uh, uh, world. You had Roman... Uh, a, um, not exactly occupation, but I guess you'd call it that. You know, the, the, the thumb of the Romans was, was on uh, Israel. Uh, and um, a very difficult time. But you see, by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed uh, him to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Right. Everybody was involved. Everybody was involved in the death of Yeshua, but especially God. Okay. Then it says, and God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I was beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope because thou will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow thy holy one to undergo decay uh, thou hast made known to me the ways of life thou will make known to me gladness with thy presence okay what's interesting about that is uh, that Psalm 16 doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Yeshua dying for our sins it has a lot to do the, the subject isn't even the resurrection itself. 
The subject is about King David's testimony, okay? Uh, and so Peter understands the, the death and resurrection of, Yesh- of Yeshua, especially the resurrection of Yeshua, somehow to be tied to the kingship of David. Okay. Brethren, again, these men of Israel, I may confidently say to you, now this is great because I believe he's actually using humor in this verse. Humor, yeah. Uh, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. In other words, David said these words and he's quoting David and then he says, Brethren, I want you to know David is still dead, okay? I want you to know David, uh, uh, we didn't see the resurrection of David. David, his tomb is with us. He died, he's buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet, and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. Peter is speaking us by the inspiration of the, of, of the Spirit of God that Psalm 16 is talking about the resurrection of the dead. And Peter is explaining that the resurrection of Yeshua has to do with his coronation as the king of Israel and of the world. Okay, This Yeshua God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, this is the ascension now, speaking of the ascension of Yeshua, like in Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, you know, Yeshua was with them for this period of time, for 40 days, uh, and then he ascended uh, 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 to heaven, right? And 10 days later is when the, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Yeshua whom you crucified. This is his message to to Israel. That, you see, the coming of the Messiah, the entire event, the entire, everything from the, the virgin birth, through his birth, through his life, through uh, his suffering and his death and his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, the entire thing can all be framed in the coming of the King. The whole thing can be framed in the coming. That is a very Jewish way to understand the whole story. What we usually do is we take pieces of it See, we take pieces of it. We talk about, you know, his death, and when we die, we'll go to heaven, and, and so on and so forth. But we don't include the resurrection and the ascension, uh, necessarily. Or we don't think of the fact of, of Yeshua as the king. But if you look carefully back in the first chapter of Luke, which uh, we read this morning, how convenient. Uh, in uh, Luke chapter 1. What does the angel say to Mary, to Miriam, about who he is? In verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Yeshua. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. He's the king. The one whom you are going to give birth to is the king. See? And so, you see, what we see here is, is that in the resurrection of Messiah, we have the, the sign of, first of all, the beginning of the Olam Haba of the world to come. Or one could say that in other terminology that's both used in Jewish theology as well as Christian theology, that the inauguration of this kingdom. The kingdom is the, 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 uh, the kingdom of David, the restored kingdom of David. See? So Yeshua is, that's why he had to be from the tribe of Judah. Because the kings come from the tribe of Judah. And so what you have in the, uh, in the resurrection of Yeshua is, you might say, a fulfillment of what God promises David in 2 Samuel, where he promises that, a, that one, from your, uh, one from your lineage is going to come and sit on the throne forever. This is the one who was raised from the dead. Now, in Judaism, you have the belief in the resurrection of the dead. It's quite clear. Uh, resur- the concept of resurrection is indeed uh, introduced to us by the prophet Isaiah, and it's significant that it's in Isaiah chapter 26, because Isaiah 26, according to most accounts, was written in the 8th century BCE. That's a long, long, long time ago. Because you know what a lot of people say about the belief in resurrection? That it actually wasn't a Jewish belief, and that it made its way in in the late Second Temple period. But if it says it in Isaiah, we won't take the time to read the, the verse itself, but in Isaiah 26, which was written hundreds and hundreds of years before uh, Yeshua came, before the, the Romans, before the Greeks and, and all of that, it was belief in the resurrection. Also in Daniel uh, chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, we read about the res- how everybody is raised from the dead. Uh, some for everlasting life and others to be eternally separated from God. And so resurrection is a great promise. Then in Ezekiel chapter 37, we have this uh, great picture of the resurrection of Israel. Picture the dry bones, right? I saw a valley full of dead man's bones, and then they slowly began to move and rattle and come together, and then all the uh, you know the uh, joints and the uh, the the flesh and everything comes together. You have a, basically a dead body, and then God breathes life into the body, and that comes after Ezekiel thirty six, which in Ezekiel thirty six is a promise of the new covenant. And so the new covenant is tied very much to the resurrection of, of Israel. And Yeshua is, just like Israel is uh, the vineyard, Yeshua is the primary vine, right? Uh, just as Israel is the servant, Yeshua is uh, the perfect servant. Yeshua is the one who, um, who uh, makes Israel to be the, the servant of God for which Israel is called. Uh, Yeshua is the vine who makes who brings back to life the vineyard uh, as described in its deadness in Isaiah in the fifth chapter. And so uh, Israel is called to be raised from the dead as well as uh, other, you know, all others who, who embrace him. 
but he is the primary one who's raised from the dead. So his resurrection is the sign that this is, this is the beginning of the end, one might say. This is the inauguration of this kingdom. The king has come, and we know it's him because he conquered death, and he's raised uh, from the dead. See, So that is why when people say, uh, why do you believe in Yeshua? Uh, for me, you know, there's a lot of things you can say, obviously. A, you know, how much time do you have, right? Uh, but the, uh, the um, short answer is he rose from the dead. Why do you believe that? Why do you, you know, everybody ever asks you that, like, you know, they're having a tremendous pain while they're asking you this. Like, how can you believe that, right? You ever get that, right? Oh, because he rose from the dead. That's, that's cut to the chase. Because he rose from the dead. And if someone says, what does that mean? Well, you see, in Judaism, that's where I start, see? In Judaism, there is one of the, the cardinal cornerstone truths about the, you know, the coming of the Messiah, the end, the, the consummation, is the resurrection of the dead, okay? Uh, and so we believe that Yeshua inaugurated this resurrection. And that's the short, that's the short answer right there. Something clearly, and as, that's why he says, men of Israel, and he talks the whole time about the resurrection. The whole, thi- the whole time he's talking about the resurrection, he ties Psalm 16 to the resurrection, and he ties uh, uh, the, um, uh, Psalm 110 in verse 1 to the resurrection in that passage, that Yeshua is the king. He was raised from the dead, and he is our king. Uh, and he ascended to the right hand uh, of the Father because he is indeed uh, the, the Lord, okay? And he is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the, uh, the Messianic uh, King. And so now he rules as King from the right hand of the Father, but the day will come when he will indeed uh, rule from his throne in Eretz Yisrael in Yerushalayim, see? Uh, and the, the uh, uh, and one might say, well, why isn't he the king in Jerusalem now? For the very same reason why we don't see a physical kingdom uh, in this world right now, uh, and that is God is calling out for Himself a people of Jews uh, and, and Gentiles, uh, and that this kingdom is invisible. That's the mystery. You read the mystery and that Paul talks about the mystery of the kingdom uh, in uh, Ephesians? Well, Paul got it from Yeshua uh, in Matthew chapter 13, okay? When Yeshua gives all these parables about the mystery of the kingdom, right? What does Yeshua say? He says this kingdom can be rejected. That is the meaning of the parable. You ever hear the parable of the different kinds of ground, seed that goes on different kinds of ground, right? The point of that parable The point of it is, in one brief statement, is that this kingdom can be rejected. That was like, what? What? That's part of the mystery. The kingdom can be rejected. That's what you read. That's what we learn in that parable. Then you have the wheats and the tares. Parable of the wheats and the tares. This kingdom is going to live side by side with the kingdom of this world. And it's going to be all this kind of like intermingling even. And then you read about the the pearl you read about leaven. You read that this kingdom is going to seem inconsi- is going to seem um, 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 what's the word it, um, not important in this world, but it's the most important thing there is. See, 
Uh, and, uh, and so uh, Yeshua, when he came to describe this kingdom, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, it, and the way that the kingdom of heaven is birthed into this world is through the death and resurrection of Yeshua. But he must be raised from the dead. Otherwise, he was just a, a guy who died for a good cause. See, And so uh, when uh, Paul writes, he says, we preach Messiah. You, know, you ever notice he says, uh, he doesn't say we preach about Messiah. That's very important. Very important. He says, we preach Messiah. Uh, when you read in uh, Philippians in the first chapter, read it very, very carefully. He, he says, we preach Messiah. He's the message. What, what, uh, if, you were, if you were in a Bible school class on this, you'd say, he is the kergema, uh, the proclamation. We're proclaiming Messiah. We don't believe in Yeshua because he was a great teacher. We don't believe in Yeshua because he was a wonderful man. We believe in Yeshua because he himself is indeed our salvation, right? By taking away our sins, he makes us eligible to enter this kingdom. And by being raised from the dead, he inaugurates this kingdom, see? And so when Paul says, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God, he says, consider yourself as if you, were, as if you really have been raised from the dead. None of us have been raised from the dead, okay? But consider yourself as being raised from the dead, and he gives a variety of reasons why, but recognize that the day will come when you'll literally be raised from the dead, but recognize that today you can live as people who are alive from the dead, see? And that's all related to this uh, uh, kingdom, this, the, what the, the, the good news is. And so uh, when we say Yeshua rose from the dead, he rose from the dead because the Bible says he conquered sin, meaning that atonement was made and he is inaugurating this kingdom. He is the king. And we know he's the king because he rose from the dead. That is exactly what Peter tells the men of Israel. That's what he tells his brethren. Yeshua rose from the dead and he is the king. He is the Davidic king. He is the one from the line of David, men of Israel. And so uh, we have this kingdom. Now, where do people go wrong? They go wrong by saying that's the end of the story. No, he's returning as king in Israel, as the scriptures clearly tell in Acts chapter 3, but that's another story for a different day, okay? Uh, but uh, he really is the king. And so that is what it means when we say that, uh, as Paul says in um, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, that at one time you who are Gentiles were separated from the commonwealth of Israel. So this is what it means. That now, whoever embraces the Messiah, we all have one king. He happens to be Jewish. He's the king of Israel. Okay? And that's Yeshua. He's not just a king. He is indeed the Lord. And he fulfills all those passages that say, and God will sit on his throne and reign forever and ever. Okay? And that is who, indeed, Yeshua is. So it doesn't mean, it's just, I love, uh, it, it works out quite nicely that you still have remnants of a, um, a British throne. It's helpful here. It's helpful because you have places like Australia, you know, and you have Canada and Scotland, if you watch the news, uh, right? Uh, that uh, they would definitely, none of them call themselves, they would not call themselves English, they would not say that they're, uh, they're from, great, they're, they're from uh, England, but they relate to the king. Well, in this case, the queen, okay? 
Uh, don't read any kind of theology into that. All right? Okay. But uh, they relate to the king. So in the same way, whoever you are, you relate to the king. It doesn't make everybody Jewish. Right? And that's the wonder of it. This is, that's like the miracle of it. That's what's so wonderful about it. That we can be one in Messiah and come from different nationalities and uh, different ethnic groups and different traditions even. But we relate to God through the Messiah of Israel, the Messianic King. See, And just read any kind of liturgy in a Siddur, what are you going to find? We're looking forward to the Messiah. We're looking for the King, the King, the King. K-I-N-G, we read about the king all the time in Jewish liturgy and about the coming of the king. And there's a prayer that there'll be a a reinstatement of the the throne of David. It's in the Amidah every single day, seven days a week that gets prayed that, that the throne of David would be restored. This is what Peter is preaching. This is the good news, see? Uh, and, uh, And that is what it means when we, re- when we say that we believe that he rose from the dead uh, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. They all, it all has to do with Yeshua sitting on his throne and being our king. So finally, what does this mean to us then, um, that he's our king? Um, uh, it gives us a whole new meaning as to what it means to walk with God, what it means to live a godly life. When we call him Lord, we need to ask ourselves, is he our Lord? Is he our king? Do we treat him as such? Not only when we sing nice songs on Shabbat morning or come together, but every day of our lives. The king said, forgive people. Do, do we do it? Or do we sort of uh, say, hey, king, you know, I just want you to know I'm going to come and visit you in your house, and then I'm going to go back to my house and hold grudges against all the people that I, that I know. I just, you know? Uh, uh, do, do we uh, walk in a manner worthy of our calling? Because you see, we've been called to this kingdom. We've been called to serve the king of kings. The one who came and lived a life as a role model for us. How do we live? Is he indeed our king? You know, uh, just in closing, we read in uh, Philippians, in the second chapter, these words. When Paul talks about the resurrection of Yeshua in uh, Philippians chapter 2 and the ascension, they, they cannot really be separated, you know, the, the resurrection and the ascension. The resurrection of Yeshua, those 40 days were very important because they testify that he bodily rose from the dead. But the ascension is also very important because as Lord, he's at the right hand of the Father as our king, as, as our king, the king of the universe today, okay? Melech HaOlam. Anyway, it says here, Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Yeshua every, te- every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in, see, so then, verse 12, so then, as a result of this fact that he uh, suffered and he died, and then he rose from the dead and he's highly exalted. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in, in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights uh, uh, in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Messiah I may have That's like the consummation, you might say. I have cause to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. So he's saying, because Yeshua is who he is, he rose from the dead, he's at the right hand, you know, he now receives a, a glory because he is our king. So then, be careful the way you live your life. Not be so careful like you're afraid he's gonna, a bolt of lightning is going to come and you're going to die, but be careful because we're accountable to the king. And the best way we can possibly live is the way he wants us to live. To get the most out of life is the way he wants us to live. So do all things without grumbling and disputing. One of the main themes in Philippians is, hey, everybody, get along. Isn't that interesting? You read that in like four different places in that book, uh, in that letter. But the point is, for us today, is that we uh, recognize, therefore, we're accountable to God and we live in such a way as to give him glory. And that's basically what Paul is saying. And that we live amongst a world that, that rejects the Messiah, a crooked and perverse generation. He didn't write this yesterday, but he could have, right? A crooked and perverse generation. Live in such a way that people would see who you are. Lights to this generation. That is what this kingdom is called to be. That is what followers of Messiah are called to be. And so let us remember uh, who Messiah is. Let us remember that, yes, we do indeed believe he died for our sins as our atonement. He rose from the dead because of our justification, but he rose from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of the Father because he is indeed the king, the messianic king of Israel and of the whole world. Melech ha'olam, baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, king of the universe. That's Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, that we believe such great truths. Uh, Lord, thank you. They're, they're, they're so magnanimous. Not just words on a page to be deciphered, but what great truths it is that, that we have. Lord, thank you, God, that when we look around our world and at kings and prime ministers, thank you, thank you Lord, that, that we have you as our king. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to rely on the word of the people who come and go. And Lord, we pray, God, that, that when we talk about every, every uh, knee bowing and tongue confessing, that nations would recognize that ultimately we all will have one king. We may have our nationalities, our traditions, you know, our ethnic cultures, but we have only one king, and that is Yeshua. And as it said on that execution stake, King of the Jews, Lord. May we realize that he is who binds us all together. And uh, God, we thank you. And we look forward to the day, Lord, when the Assyrians and the Egyptians and the Israelis and, uh, and all peoples everywhere will come and worship the one whom we all adore, the one who binds us together, the one who indeed, therefore, is the Prince of Peace. 
among peoples. Why there will no longer be items of uh, uh, war, um, war machinery. Because we'll have one king. And Lord, when we have one king, and we all love our king, we're all going to be at peace with each other. We won't all be the same, but we're all going to be at peace with each other. Because we have the greatest king that there could possibly be. You, Lord. So thank you, Lord, our king. We love you. We give you praise, honor, worship, and we yield to your leadership in our lives. And thank you, Lord, that we also know that you even empower us to live for you. Our next topic, <laughs> Lord, and uh, we thank you on this Shabbat. In Messiah's name, amen.